sponsorship lady, it had been because of obviously my years of hosting my conference and getting that sponsored. It had been years of managing Jonathan Trailer. He's a Motown gospel recording artist. And what really pushed me to do it is mainly working with him because he was like, Jess, I need to get a sponsor. Compassion International is the company that I want to work with. Long story short, within two months, we were in Nashville pitching to them. And the first thing they said is, hey, we want to hire you as a contractor to do pitches for companies that we want to partner with. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to seal the deal. It was my biggest contract to date. I think that was like the confirmation of, okay, you need to teach people how to get corporate sponsors. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 69 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Jessica Chenyalu Anaboe. Jessica is the creator of the Women of Purpose Conference. She's an influencer and manager to Motown gospel artist, Jonathan Trailer. As if all of that isn't enough, she has created the sold out sponsored secure course to show people how she has landed over six figures in corporate sponsorships for her events. A lot of influencers reach out to me because they ask, how are you still getting brand deals and you hardly ever post? Like you don't post consistently. When you do post, you get a ton of like real engagement. And I honestly, I get brands that reach out to me all the time. Um, But also I think just in learning how to pitch very well for corporate sponsorships, it's also put me in a good position to pitch very well for influencer work. If you're hosting digital events or planning live events for next year, you might want to consider getting those events sponsored. Want to learn how? Keep listening. For any new listeners, here's what you can expect. The first half of the episode will be about Jessica's journey, and then for the second half, we will dive into her workshop segment. If this episode leaves you wanting a deeper dive into this topic, Jessica is giving our listeners $500 off her course called Sold Out Sponsored Secured. To get this discount, click the link in the show notes and use the code OFFSCRIPT. We'll also have that in the show notes. It's worth noting that the show has an affiliate relationship with Jessica and gets a commission if you use our link. Of course, there's no additional cost to you for using that link. Before we hear the rest of Jessica's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Jessica's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off script with the creator of the Women of Purpose Conference and the sold-out, sponsored, secure course, Jessica Chinyalu Anaboe. Jessica Chinyalu Anaboe, welcome to She's Off Script. How are you? I am fantastic, girl. Thank you, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's social distancing going for you? Uh, You know, it's actually not that bad. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do miss just driving out and hanging out at Gloria's because that's one of my favorite places to do brunch and go have me a good drink. And my husband and I, we do date nights there. Um, But other than that, we're for the most part, we're homebodies. So we've actually just been enjoying and relaxing. It hasn't been too bad. And he kind of, girl, I talk a lot, but he was kind of getting on my nerves because the first week, like the first two weeks, it was a little hard because my, my kiddo's home mm-hmm. and my husband, he took over my office space. But now that we've kind of found this way to work with one another and, you know, with having the kiddo home, him being in the office space, I've 
have, I work everywhere. You know, I work everywhere in the house, wherever space is available. And we have a nice size house. So I told him, I said, babe, I don't know if I want you to go back to the office and work. I think I'm going to miss you whenever you leave. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm hoping that this is going to be like a permanent situation for him where he gets to just work from home. Although I know that's not going to happen, but um, we're enjoying it. We're making the most of it. Well, that's good to hear. And I know it's easier when you have a beautiful home to do it from. (laughs) Oh, it is. It really is. If we were in our old home, I would probably be complaining. I probably would definitely be complaining right now. Oh, you moved and all of that. How is settling going? Yeah. So um, the move has been great. Um, We moved into our home in May of 2019, or Mm -hmm. we closed in May and then officially moved like Um, mid-June. So we kind of took our time with everything. Um, let me tell you at first we had this grand idea of, okay, we're going to pick out all this furniture. We're going to have the whole entire house design by after two months of living in our home. Um, we quickly realized that that is totally the wrong approach. Um, it's super expensive and Mm. we needed to do a lot more research. So we have two very different styles. Um, he kind of has this super masculine feel, um, that has this Afrocentric vibe to Mm -hmm. it. And I have this modern luxury feel with a teensy weensy bit of this Afrocentric style to it. So trying to combine the two was extremely difficult for us. We just started doing a ton of research and interviewing different designers. Um, we came across one that we loved. Um, we actually connected with him at IBB Designs. Um, and he gave us a quote and we were like, oh, no, dude, that's way out of our budget. <laughs> we absolutely cannot afford this. And then he pulled us to the side and said, hey, I would still love to work with you guys. Um, I love your style. My husband and I, we have our own firm and I think we can get you a quote that's like 50 to 60% less than what you're seeing there. Mm-hmm. We're always hustling. Girl, he came to the house. We had a few glasses of wine and he started giving his vision for the entire home and we absolutely loved his vision. And so we paid a deposit. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our furniture has been delivered, but due to COVID-19, um, or when I say delivered, it's at their studio. Mm-hmm. And so we've just kind of been waiting for this install to happen because we don't, I mean, they work with a lot of people. We don't know how they're, if they're still meeting with clients. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to protect ourselves. So we have a plan next week, hopefully um, they're going to do an install, but everyone in my house will not be here. And then we're going to cleanse the entire house, you know, to make sure we good. Mm -hmm. Um, And he'll be here during the install, but everyone else who's here in the home, we're going to leave. Um, But we're ready for our house to, you know, be fully decorated. That's exciting. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm ready to see like the finished product of the areas that we've been focusing on. So, well, I know you have a YouTube channel. Are you planning on doing a reveal on there or anywhere? Girl, yes. So um, I'm going to do a reveal. I have so much content that I've just been like sitting on, but I did not want to start releasing episodes. And it's like, well, I don't know when I'm going to be able to release the reveal. We've done mm-hmm. a, we so much of the behind the scenes, some of the crazy little, little itty bitty arguments that we've gotten into about <laughs> on colors. Oh, we should go with this sofa versus this one. Um, we have all of that behind the scenes, but I didn't want to put it out without knowing, okay, when's the reveal coming? I wanted to have mm. all of the content before putting everything out there. So, um, so we're kind of jumping into the middle here, but how does 
the YouTube channel and doing all the home content fit into the overall structure of your brand and your content calendar? Yeah. So let me tell you, that has actually been, it's been difficult for me. And I think that's why for a while I, uh, let me not say difficult. It was a challenge for me to figure out, okay, how does all of this work? Because Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously there's the motherhood and influencer side of what I do. There's the woman of purpose side of what I do. There's the sponsorship lady side of what I do. And I'm like, as a brand, how in the heck do I combine all of this? And so, um, that's what really made me make the decision to just put the sponsorship lady as one, because every, every single person who follows me on my personal page, they're not interested in gaining corporate sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't want to even like, be bombarding them with stuff like that. A lot of people follow me because they love the family aspect of the things that I put out there. They love the spiritual things that I put out there. Um, so I've made a decision to keep the two separate. You'll see bits and pieces of the sponsorship lady come up like on my personal page every now and again, but Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to get everyone who's interested in sponsorships, go follow the sponsorship lady. And that's where you'll get all the resources there. Um, but I'm starting also starting to realize that, a lot of influencers reach out to me because they ask, how are you still getting brand deals and you hardly ever post? Like you don't post consistently. Mm. But when you do post, you get a ton of like real engagement. And I honestly, I get brands that reach out to me all the time. Um, but also I think just in learning how to pitch very well for corporate sponsorships, it's also put me in a good position to pitch very well for influencer work. So, Mm. um, so where are you posting all that influencer work or, or how are they asking you to structure that influencer work if it's not necessarily on your own platform? Yeah. So great question. Um, through collaborations, partnerships. So, um, someone that I love working with, and we actually have a partnership going on right now, um, is with Courtney Sanders. So Courtney has actually spoken about me to her audience on multiple occasions. And so I get a lot of people that come from her audience that are just like, Hey, I want to get, you know, how do I get this? How do I get contacts? Um, and so it started whenever Courtney, um, we were having a conversation one day and she was telling me about a bad experience that she had with her manager, um, who had manager, like as an agency that helps her get all of her brand endorsement deals or, um, sponsored deals. And she, I showed her my database and she said, Oh my God, you need to start doing this. You need to be a manager for influencers. And I was like, that is not a business that I want to get into. (laughs) Um, However, I need, I, I guess I will develop something and I'm working on doing that now is developing a platform, um, where influencers, I can just be their connect or their go-to mm. or the plug or the resource, um, for them to really get contacts. Because I think the, the thing is, is you see a lot of times they're waiting for an agency to come to them or they're trying to apply to get on board with an agency. And if you are not an influencer that's built up, you know, a good brand or a good following, you don't really have a solid foundation. People aren't going to want to listen to you or work with you. We had Maddie James on the show and she mentioned that she doesn't have an agent or at the time she didn't. And so she's closing all those deals by herself. I think you just need the know-how, but I know Jessica, you just don't want to be pulled into this, but I feel like people are going to ask that of you. So if you give them the contacts, then it's going to be, okay, how do I pitch 
What do yeah. I say? How do I deliver? And then you're, you'll find yourself building the whole package for them. Yeah. So I never, I always tell people the sponsorship lady just kind of fell in my lap. Um, when I started the sponsorship lady, it had been because of obviously my years of hosting my conference and getting that sponsored. It had been years of managing Jonathan trailer. He's a Motown gospel recording artist. And what really pushed me to do it is mainly working with him. Cause he was like, Jess, I need to get a sponsor. I'm really looking forward to, um, compassion international is the company that I want to work with. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to get in contact with them. Um, we were at a festival, the Exodus festival by Kirk Franklin. And he's like, just come backstage with me. And I hate to say this, but there was one white man backstage. And I was like, who is that? I saw a mutual friend and I said, Hey, is he your new manager? And he goes, Oh no, he's actually the head of marketing for compassion international. Wow. And I was like, look at God. Talking to. So I introduced myself, started following him on Instagram. I saw his assistant there, um, got really cool with his assistant. And I actually asked her because we, we had such a great conversation. I said, Would you mind if I sent you like a pitch mm-hmm. to work for Jonathan? He really would love to work with Compassion. And I said, I'd love your feedback before I send it to your boss. And she goes, Heck yeah, I love Jonathan Trailer, would love to do it. So she gets to the pitch and she said, I don't think you need to change anything. I'm going to send this off for you. Wow. Long story short, like within two months, we were in Nashville pitching to them. And the first thing they said is, hey, can we hire you to come and do like we want to hire you as a contractor to do our to do pitches like for companies that we want to partner with. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to. So I still have an ongoing relationship with them. But Still the deal. It was my biggest contract to date. Um, so I think that was like the confirmation of, okay, you need to teach people how to get corporate sponsors. So I think it started with Jonathan really pushing me to do it for him. Mm-hmm. And then I did an Instagram live with Cl- the Chloe brand. So many people tuned in. I remember that. that. Girl, let me tell you. So I put out a product. This is why I'm a strong believer in just take a step out on faith. Um, Don't be afraid to take risks and don't be afraid to test and see if something works. So um, I put out a sponsorships guide. I'll be 100% honest. I probably shouldn't say this. I had zero content. I just put it on pre-order just to see if people would purchase it. No content written. That's a good approach. (laughs) That's a good approach because you don't want to create something that nobody wants. Right, right. So I just, during during that Instagram live, I said, okay, here's the pin. This is the link to get the guide. There, I made like $4,000 in an hour, like just from people purchasing this guide. And I'm like, oh, people are really interested in this. And they so need this. Yeah. Um, after that, I started getting requests for speaking engagements. And um, one lady reached out to me and she said, I want you to come and speak at my conference only about event experiences and corporate sponsorships. And I was like, sure. Okay, great. Um, I had a goal of selling like 50 sponsorships guide and three people to sign up for a premium course that I created. And my husband was like, babe, you need to change that goal. Like in his night job voice, like, babe, no, you need to be selling more of the course and like, forget about those guides, like focus on the premium product. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, okay. But what ended up happening is after giving during, after my breakout session, there were probably about 50, 60 people in that room. 50% of the people in that room signed up 
for my course. So no one purchased the sponsorships guide. So it really, that was how I got into putting my course in beta. Mm -hmm. Um, And so behind the scenes, although I haven't officially launched the course, I actually put a course in beta and had people pay a premium price for it and just, you know, recorded the content as I was going and had people pay me to record that content as I was going and building out the course. So it's, it's been a win all the way around with the sponsorship lady. And I just think that the influencer side of it is just one thing, like after uh, Maddie James, her sister, Maya, she made a post and there was so much that came from that post about bartering services. Mm-hmm. I loved that post. I love, love, love that post. But through that, it, it really just showed me that influencers are interested in working with me. Some of them are like, I'm not looking to get corporate sponsorships. I want to get sponsored by brands. Like I want them to sponsor me to make posts for them. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that actually does follow uh, that goes underneath the sponsorship lady as well. So it's like these little things just keep fa- these little blessings just keep falling in my lap. You know, I always wondered how am I going to transition out of the nonprofit space because mm-hmm. one of purpose is a nonprofit entity. I don't really look at that as like my money maker. You know, it's not a huge revenue driver for me. And so I took a lot of time off just to really figure out what is my business. What is my purpose in having an organization like Woman of Purpose? And how can I impact people beyond just the spiritual Mm -hmm. experience that I provide to them? So let me ask you about that break you took, because I think sometimes it's important that you do take that time away to figure out the next phase of your life or the next point of purpose for you. So what brought you to the point where you thought, I need to take a step away. I need to work on myself, my family and my business. What brought you there? Girl, that was a journey. Um, so it was 2018, um, 2018, November. I was stressed to the max. Um, that was when I had my last conference. I haven't hosted a conference since then. Um, I was pregnant and had a baby that year. So it was just a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. And, um, that was the first year that I actually hired an assistant. So, um, between sponsor meetings, planning a conference, having a baby in the process of moving mentally, emotionally, physically, I was just weighed down. And I knew after that conference, I was like, God, I'm not hosting another one. There has to be something else. I'm not, I, I just, I don't have the capacity to do it. I am, I, I just can't. And, um, my assistant at the time, she would always come to my house and say, Jess, I don't know where your mind is, but she was like, every time I get on your computer, you have so many windows open. And she was like, that's not a really good way to operate. So she was like, if if you're, if you have this many windows open on your computer, I don't know. Your mind just seems like it's crazy right now. So she's like, I'm going to buy you a whiteboard and I want you to start using that to really map things out. I didn't touch that whiteboard until after the conference. And I just had a come to Jesus moment. And it was just me and God sitting down in my living room. And I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what's next because for so long, the only thing that I have done is woman of purpose. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what the rest of my life looks like. I've only seen things one way. And so the first thing that I wrote down on that whiteboard was how do I monetize my gifts? And the response back was, okay, what have you done over the last 10 years that you absolutely love doing? Mm-hmm. Or, and he's like, actually, I started with everything that I loved and I hated. 
And then I started narrowing it down. Like, okay, I'm removing this because I definitely don't want to do this. Wedding planning was one of them. I actually don't like planning events. Like if I can have somebody to do that for me, anytime Mm -hmm. I host an event, I'm always going to have it in my budget to have someone just plan out the event. I'll write the vision down. They will execute it. Um, So I, you know, I took, I had that, I added things about Jonathan and then I said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm just going to write down little strategies that I think can help me get there. And things just started happening left and right. But I had a lot of fear um, Mm -hmm. that if I took time away from woman of purpose, which was what a lot of people know me for, that I would not be relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually the worst way to think. Um, And my eyes opened to that once I realized that I was making money, but I was working less. Like, so it's like, how can I explain it? So when I wrote down on my whiteboard, things that I loved and different ways to monetize through speaking engagements, through influencer work, those opportunities just started coming to me. So I I took a, I probably took like maybe six months away from social media. I would barely post, but yet behind the scenes, I was still making money. So my course, for example, um, it was in beta. I never posted about it on social media. It was just through a speaking engagement. And so I think that God was really trying to show me that you don't have to, I think sometimes people get caught up in social media. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. people get caught up in, and I have to consistently post in order to remain relevant. And I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that it's all about the quality in which you are putting out there. And it's all about the impact in which you are making. And if people really understand your value and your work and what you've done for their lives, over the times that you, that when you do post or when you do put messages out there, mm-hmm. they're going to stay on the journey with you, whether or not you're posting every single day or once a year, because that once a year, when you do communicate with them, they know that, oh, she blessed me or, oh my God, mm-hmm. she touched me or, oh my God, what she said just made such a huge difference in my strategy or my growth or whatever it is that you're working on. And so I think the six months that I was away from social media, it built me like it really poured into me It helped me to really gain clarity on what it is that I'm truly supposed to be doing to make the most infinite impact possible. And I can honestly see the results of that. So mm-hmm. I, you know, when people ask me about, you know, taking time off and what that looked like for me, it, it helped me to get my business in order. It helped me to become a truly profitable brand. I mean, things that I'd been trying to do for two or three years, I was able to do that within a matter of months just from simply taking time away. Mm. Um, I am a believer. And if you need to take time away, step away. I needed that. I honestly, truly needed it. And people still ask me about Moment of Purpose. And I'm like, sure they do. Because it was such an impactful conference. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, when it comes back, it'll come back. Trust me. I'll let you know. I mean, it's not going away. It's just I know what I'm focused on right now. And everything that I'm focused on right now is just helping Woman of Purpose to become even bigger and greater than what it was before. A lot of what you've said today has shown me that you like to collaborate. Even before that, every time I see you pop up in the comments online, I see you're always encouraging. I see you're always speaking life into other people. And I think that's become synonymous with Jessica Chinyelu. How do you say the last name? Anaboe? Anaboe. Girl, you got it perfect. You did it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
But that's become synonymous with who you are and what people have come to expect of you. But I think on top of that, you've also made a point of collaborating with other women in order to bring your vision to life. So what impact has collaboration had on strengthening you as an individual and your brand? Gosh, man, I had to come to, I had to have this moment with myself. Like I am truly a connector. I'm not just an encourager. I'm a connector. Um, when I think about how I first started woman of purpose, it started because a bunch of women came to me and were like, look, we think that you're the woman that can help all of us live our dreams. And that came to life. Um, when I think about the women who the first set of eight women who were sitting down in my mother's living room and I look at what they're doing today, it literally started in that living room, all of us just sharing and writing letters to God on where we wanted to be, what we wanted to do in life. And we became one another's sister's keeper. We became one another's motivators. We pushed one another to like really get to that next level. Um, and I think for me, woman of purpose wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for some of those women that I collaborated with. Um, mm -hmm. Even the things that I'm doing with the sponsorship lady and the exposure that I'm doing, getting from that now, it's truly coming from people who said, I believe in what she's doing. Let me put her on my platform and speak. And through that, their audience now trusts me to actually help them get to that next level when it comes to getting corporate sponsors for their brand or for their e event programs that they're putting on. Um, so I think that whenever you collaborate with other people, there's two ways that I go into it. The first way that I go into it is how can I truly serve them? Mm -hmm. And then the second way that I go into it is how can we make impact together? Then there's a third thing. Is this actually truly going to be a benefit for people? Um, because I think a lot of times we go into collaboration, we look at people and we see that, oh my God, they're doing big things. They're doing great things. And everybody wants to work with someone who's doing big and great things. But you also have to ask yourself, is this the person that I'm supposed to be connected to, to do great and big things with together? Mm -hmm. um, and I think I have made this mistake in the past where I try to force myself onto someone, but I no longer do that. I think that now there's a lot of purpose behind the collaborations that I do. And I really try to think long and hard before I reach out to ensure that this is truly going to make impact. And that's, that's been my big thing now is like infinite impact. That was my word for 2020. And, you know, irregardless of what I see happening with coronavirus or COVID-19, um, I, these partnerships and collaborations have helped me so much. It has opened up so many doors for me. I mean, people coming to me and saying, Jessica, whatever you need, I'll help you. Let's sit down. Like with building my course, I had someone say, here, let me show you the way. Don't go and spend $3,000 on how to get it done. I'm just going to show you. Let me mentor you through this entire process. Do this and then hit me back up once you're done with this and we'll go to step B. That's amazing. It's just that's been, that's what's helped me. It honestly has really helped me. Collaboration is key. It really is. But the right way, the right mm -hmm. way, when it's beneficial for both parties. I know a lot of people see your success and may think about the first time they came across you because you've gone viral more than once, right? And so how much of your success would you attribute to luck versus the hard work you've put in? Mm. That is a really good question. And I've never had anyone ask it in that way. Um, wow. That's a great question. Thank you. I will say this. Um, 
I don't think any of it was luck. Um, I don't think any of it was luck. And I honestly really don't think it was hard work. Um, the very first time that I went viral, I shared a truly authentic moment that many people are afraid to share. Mm. Um, I would say I was probably one of the first people or first individuals that went viral with the wig falling off. Um, and it wasn't like someone else posted that, you know, and they sent it to TMZ or the shade room. You know, it was actually a video that I posted on my page. And I remember me and my best friend, we were laying down in my bed on a Saturday morning at my mom's house. And she was like, girl, you ain't posting none of your engagement pictures yet. And I said, oh, I know. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to post it. I was like, I'll eventually post it one day. And she was like, show it to me, girl, show it to me. And I started going through the raw edits. And she goes, girl, you didn't tell me your wig fell off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, it was so funny because the photographer, he was like, oh, I- I'll delete the pictures. And I said, no, why would you do that? I was like, that's probably the highlight of this entire day. Mm-hmm. And he goes, OK, I'll keep them. So he sends them to me. And I tell my friend, I was like, you know what? I'm going to post this first. And she was like, but it's not edited. And I remember when I posted it. And I did like the series of how it happened just to show people like, this wasn't fake. This is real, but ha 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 funny moment. Um, Munalichi bridal, they picked it up and the, they said they were like, Oh my God, such a real moment. Um, then after that, like you had Buzzfeed and like all these different digital magazines that are all like putting everything out there. And the photographer hits me up and he was like, dude, if you were going to post that, you could at least hit me up to edit the picture. And I was like, no, no, (laughs) I just want it to be raw and real. And Mm so I think the viral moments that have happened for me, they've all happened because they were truly authentic moments. And I feel like people think that authenticity doesn't sell anymore or that it doesn't work. I've had brides reach out to me and they're like, well, how do I go viral? Like, how did you do it? And I was like, I didn't do anything. I just shared a moment that I wasn't afraid to share. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. And I think that's what we have to think about is yes, people love the influencer world. There's a lot of stuff that's curated. There's a lot of stuff that we edit. We spend hours, you know, trying to make the perfect caption. And I'm like, sometimes you just got to be real, you know, like, I think there was another video that I posted, um, a couple of months ago and it was just me praying in my bathroom and people can appreciate that. People do appreciate that. And I think we just have to get back to um, not being afraid to share moments like that. So, um, I have worked hard for a lot of the things that I have, you know, I've been able to achieve and, you know, yes, there's some things that have been lucky or blessed. I've been blessed with, but for those viral moments, girl, it just happened from being real, keeping it real. Oh, and I I love your response to that. It's a combination of a lot of things, but you had also had that underlying layer of preparedness. So everything else is just the cream on top. And I think A lot of people probably haven't seen, I think this is kind of cliche now, but people haven't seen what it's taken for you to get to this point. Earlier, you mentioned when you took your break, you thought about what have I done over the last 10 years, right? There were lots of building blocks and layers that went into you being who you are right now with the sponsorship lady with Women of Purpose. Oh yeah. I mean, when I think about over the last 10 years, it has been, 
I've done everything. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm someone that's not afraid to get out and try something. Look new. at her YouTube. She <laughs> has done a lot. You have. You have tried a lot. I have tried a lot. I mean, there's some things that I'm just like, well, I don't want to do the same more because it just takes up too much time. And this mm-hmm. where the season that I'm in right now. Like, I have to figure out like, okay, we got we got bills to pay. So what what's going to help take care of these bills? And then once I get some freed up time, I can focus on some of those things. Like, I want to bring dialogue back. Um, and I've thankfully now I'm at a place where I've learned how to edit videos and do all that kind of stuff. So anything that comes out on my YouTube channel now, it's stuff that I'm doing, not hiring a videographer or an editor to do that stuff. But yeah, no, I mean, I've been a club promoter, got a a conference host, an event manager, a wedding planner. I have done it all. Like I really have. Um, I've been a PR person. Um, so yeah, I just, I think, you know, if you're ever trying to, and I know you didn't ask this, but for somebody, anybody that's listening, that's just trying to figure out like, okay, where's my life going? I know there are a lot of people during these times, they're questioning that. I think this is the perfect time to try something new, Mm -hmm. um, to reinvent yourself. I mean, I know once we come out of this thing, there are doctors who probably are like, forget this. I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I've even before this happened, I know so many nurses who have been wanting to transition and, and, and get a, you know, do a career change, but this is the perfect time to reinvent yourself. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something new, step into something new. I I read a quote the other day and it said, whoever is out there saying that being a jack of all trades is bad. She was like, being a jack of all trade has paid my bills. Like, and I'm helping so many people. Like I haven't had, you know, Courtney, I, I love chatting with her because I remember she put out a post not too long ago and it was just talking about how she was only focused on one aspect of her business, but she was like, God has designed us to be these beings that has so many natural abilities, so many natural gifts and talents. Why would we limit him by only focusing on one thing? She Mm -hmm. said, we are truly holdings. And because we're a holding, it means that our holding has multiple businesses that can thrive. If you think about it, in order to really be that person that hits that seven, eight figure mark, you need to have at least seven to 10 businesses. Multiple so streams of revenue. Yep. You have to have multiple streams of revenue. And multiple streams of revenue means that you might be a jack of all trades. And that's mm-hmm. completely okay. And we have to get out of that. I think that's why for so long I could only focus on woman of purpose and could not think about anything else because I'm like, this is going to be the one thing that I do. And the one thing that everybody knows me for, and it's like, it's okay. Even though I'll do that. I think what people are stuck on is they think they're going to have to do it by themselves. I think that's a scarcity mindset where you don't remember that you can't build room by yourself. You're going to need to hire people to help you. So once Women of Purpose is established. You can then figure out what team am I going to put behind that, move on to the next thing, and then build a team around that. You are the CEO of your holding company, right? So you need to survey everything. So I think that's the mindset shift a lot of people need to make before they can realize, I I can do more. I'm able and capable. Yeah. I love what you said, mind shift. It it really, Mm -hmm. for me in that process, when I took time away, my mind completely shifted. Um, and I tell people all the time, I said, woman of purpose, like where it goes next, the next conference, it has to shift. It has to change because the woman that I was when I first started woman of purpose is not the woman that I am today. I have Mm -hmm. evolved. Like, so if 
I, Jessica, the creator and founder of this amazing women's organization, then my organization has to change like every aspect of it. So I'm excited about, you know, what's going to happen next, but yes, it's all about that mind shift. And are you going to go with the shift? Because some people remain stuck where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, another fear of mine is like, Ooh, I cannot, like, I can't get stuck. I cannot get stuck here. And I felt like being on social media and not going away for a little bit would have kept me stuck in this box. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, I got to come out of the box. I got to come out. Like there's too much. I need to let it all out. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm, I'm like, I'm letting everything out right now. Everything. Do it. Because I think once you feel freed, you're able to be more authentic, number one, but then also more creative. You put out more because you don't have blocks on yourself. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But now for people who are wondering, what is this sponsorship lady stuff and what could I look forward to if I am working with Jessica? Could you give us an idea of for anyone who is looking to plan an event? A lot of people now are thinking digital events. What are those keystones that they need to have in place before they go pitch a sponsor? Yeah. Oh, such a great question. I was just having a really long consultation with someone yesterday about this. So a couple of things I'm going to say, I think the first thing is the foundational pieces of your brand. I think there needs to be a clear, concise, and consistent messaging. Um, That would be the first thing. And the reason why I say that is because you never want to submit a sponsorship proposal that has all these great things about your brand. And then they go to your website and the messaging just isn't in alignment with what you're pitching. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you don't have a landing page or an event agenda um, that kind of maps out the event or the events that you've been pitching in your sponsorship proposal. Like, they should be able to literally click a page within your website that has everything mapped out that you've pitched. So it's almost kind of like a sponsorship proposal pitch within your website. Um, I'd also, the second thing I would say is your audience data. Um, I think that the reason why so many different organizations or event curators or event producers are unable to get corporate sponsorships is because they look at it as I have this great grand big idea. And I just, because I have this great big grand idea, people should want to sponsor what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, so when, and and when we talk about audience data, it goes beyond, I have 50,000 followers on Instagram and they're this age and they're in these top cities. No, think about if you wanted to partner with, let's say Chase Bank. Mm -hmm. So out of these 50,000 followers, how many of them are on your email list? What's your click rate? What's your open rate? How often do you send these emails? How many of them actually bank with Chase? How many of them bank with Bank of America? How many of them, you know, bank with BBVA? How many Mm -hmm. of them have lines of credit with Chase Bank? And, you know, because they want to understand if you come to them out of your 50,000, what percentage of them bank with Chase and bank with other banks? Are they happy with Chase Bank? Are they considering moving to a different bank? If you're you're having a travel experience and you want to partner with Airbnb, out of these 50,000 people, how many of them travel? How often do they travel? Are they traveling within the next six to 10 months? Mm -hmm. You know, if you let's just just still go back to Chase. Um, How many of them live in apartments and are looking to buy a house? There's op- the reason why you have to have those type of things is because Chase Bank is now going to say if these are families or they're newly newlyweds or these are a lot of single women, even they're dating, whatever. 
Are they going to look to open up a mortgage with us? Are they going to have their loan with us? Are they going to, you know, have their loans for their vehicles with us? Are they going to open up business accounts with us if these are entrepreneurs? You know, you have to think about all of those different things and people don't think like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like every single person who is a sponsorship seeker who comes to me is like, well, we don't have a lot of followers. But companies would, don't mind if you don't have a lot of followers. They're honestly really just looking for your data. If, if it's your vision, they like your vision. That's cool. But it's like, okay, how is your wonderful vision going to truly bring our brand to life through the experiences that you create? Mm-hmm. So, and how do you get that is you're going to get that through a lot of data. So that's the second thing I would say audience data. Um, the third thing I would say is the approach that you take. I think many sponsorship seekers go in with the wrong approach. It's me, 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 instead of partnership, partnership togetherness. Um, and so I really, uh, like to advise, uh, sponsorship seekers when you're going in, when you're going for the big ask, you should not make an ask in the very first initial email. Um, you should have at least two to three, um, connections with them or conversations with them before you make an ask. Um, I think that the first time you connect with them, it really honestly just simply needs to be a phone call. Now for influencers, for influencers, you probably don't need to have a phone call. You probably, it's a little bit different. So I'm speaking more so from the perspective of corporate sponsorship and the strategies that I've seen work for my clients. So an example that I'll give you is one of my clients, she pitched to Microsoft. Um, I told her, don't send a sponsorship proposal. Tell her, hey, or tell the person I got through my database, I gave her five contacts. She did research on those five contacts and came came back and said, I think these are the three that I should reach out to. She went and did research on them as far as what events that they have done with Microsoft. She was able to make a connection um, and she was like, hey, Ryan. I saw that you did, I'm such and such with black girls with purpose. I've seen that you've done this event. I saw the recap video. It was amazing. I'm thinking about doing something similar and I'd love to chat with you and get your feedback and see if there's a way that we can work together. She, she said, are you available on this date at this time? Mm -hmm. She sent that to three people. Ryan responded back within 10 minutes. She was on the phone with Microsoft the following week and she's still in conversation with Microsoft because they've put some things on hold. But do you see how taking that approach versus, Hey, I'm such and such with black girls with purpose. Here's this event that I have going on. Please look at my sponsorship deck. I hope to hear from you soon. Mm-hmm. which is what most people do. Um, and so I'm really big on, again, there's something that you said earlier today. It's all about building relationships. You cannot go in with the mindset of, I'm just trying to get this money. Um, it's all about collecting this check. And they're going to look at you as like, well, we get thousands of people who reach out to us on a weekly basis who are trying to get that check. So we would rather go with the person who wants to build with us and build a solid relationship with us versus the person who just wants money. I also believe the fourth thing that I would say is you need to be prepared to pay for this event, whether or not you get a sponsor. Um, because if you go in with the mindset of sponsor me and I'll make this event happen, that is the biggest red flag for them. Mm -hmm. So they want to see that with or without us, you can make this happen. And that's the real impact here is like, you're going to make it happen regardless because you realize what you were doing for your audience. You realize what you were doing for the community that you serve. And so I feel like sometimes people kind of come off as desperate. Um, mm. And you speak from experience because I know you paid for the first couple women of purpose conferences out of pocket. Oh, I sure right? did. 
I sure did. And to be able to communicate that, that I'm still going and I did this and I was willing to spend the 30, 40, $50,000 in order to make this thing happen because I am truly passionate about what I do. And I see the impact that I make that resonates with them. It most certainly resonates with them. Like one of my clients, he is an NBA, a retired NBA world champion. He used to play for Miami Heat. And I was so excited for him because I get a lot of people who come to me and they say, can you just do this for me? Can I just pay you to go out and get sponsorships for me? He was one of those people. And I was like, I'm not going to do that for you. I'm going to teach you how to fish. So that way you can bring people onto your team, train them how to do it. And you do this every year. That way you don't have to worry about paying me. Just pay me one time for my course. So with a lot of my students, what I'll do or my clients, I'll actually pitch with them. If they get a big brand that comes to them, I'll say, okay, we're going to do a zoom call or, or I'll go to the meeting with you. We did that, but I taught him how to actually share his story. The type of research that we did was we knew every single person in the room. We did research on them. We knew that Holly, her daughter plays basketball at Texas Tech. We knew that the other gentleman in the room, that he played football um, at SMU. We knew all those things so that way we can make the connection, that mm. we really make their hearts sing and dance. And they loved it. So as he was sharing his story that, hey, I know that I'm an athlete, but I've made some mistakes. I know that there's only 2% of student athletes who make it to the NFL or that make it to the NBA. I want to help these African-Americans and in low income communities whose families try to get, you know, the NBA or the NFL to be the same, like it saves their lives or it's going to, you know, do so much for them. He's like, we need to train them from the beginning stages. We need to help them with financial literacy. Mm. Here's what I've, here's what it's done for me to be able to get access to financial literacy tools. Do you know they ate that up? They love that. You cannot communicate your story just like that in mm -hmm. a sponsorship proposal, you know, and that's why I'm like, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. Don't be afraid to ask for a call. So I think, you know, um, those are the tips that I have. Uh, so anyone that's really looking to work with a sponsorship lady, um, you know, it's real. I'm big on, I provide a couple of different things. The three things that I provide is number one, my course, um, through my course, that's where, you know, it's an eight week course where I'm basically teaching you the ins and the outs of corporate sponsorships and what the sales process is like. I think that people go in with this mindset of I'm going to have one sponsor uh, or two, a list of maybe two to five sponsors. And I'm going to go after those and that's it. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a horrible strategy to have, you know, it's sales. So you should have a really strong pipeline of, you know, of solid leads mm -hmm. and research. You've done thorough research on this list of leads that you have that are in your pipeline. You might scratch some off because they're not necessarily in alignment. Oh girl, that's the other thing. Don't just reach out to a company because look, I hate to say this, but everybody that comes to me, at least 80% of them want to work with Target. And I'm like, if you have done enough research on Target, you would know that nine times out of 10, Target is probably not a good fit for your brand as far mm. as event sponsorships. But it takes someone actually doing the research. So I actually discourage a lot of my um, clients and my students to not go after Target. Like, 
and it's it's not because I don't think that it's possible. It most certainly is possible. But when you've done certain research, you know that Target spends a lot of their advertising dollars on the Hispanic community. Um, mm. so, but it takes a lot of research to really understand like how they spend their dollars. And I just why is that? Do you think? Um, I don't know why that is. I just know through research that I've done, if you watch Netflix, a lot of TV shows um, like Jane the Virgin, they promote the heck out of Target on that show. Um, the database that I use actually will break up like how much dollars are spent in radio advertisements and um, what they've spent in uh, radio and television ads um, and partnerships. And a lot of and it's broken down by markets. And like the Latino community, I mean, it's alarming just to see the amount of dollars that go into that community. I'm not sure why. I do think that we will eventually see a shift, especially with um, who their uh, VP, I believe she's the vice president of marketing, I want to say. I don't want to... let me not even say her name because I want to make sure I, if I say her name, I get her title right. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we'll start to see some changes like this year, you know, they did a huge black history month initiative where you walk in and they had a whole black history section. That was probably one of the first times that we've seen something like that. And I think that is thanks to some new uh, C-level executives that they have. Mm-hmm. In so we'll eventually see a shift, but as far as like right now, not quite. I think it's something that's going to take some time. It's going to take, a little bit of time before we get there. Um, I would say their Black History Month advertising really hit this year. Unfortunately, it wasn't for the best reasons with um, B. Dixon and the Honeypot, but at the same time, it really showed Target that Black women can stand up and also support those brands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, I love to see what they did. Um, I'm hoping that they'll take it beyond just Black History Month. Mm-hmm. We, and we hope to see that for a lot of brands because, unfortunately, you see these brands that put on these great Black History Month campaigns, but that's the only thing they do for the year. Um, I think that we're going to see a shift. I really do believe that we will see a shift. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the key thing that I want you to take away here is what Whatever brand that you reach out to, ensure that there is alignment. Um, you have to be sure that there is alignment. So I teach you all of that in my course. Um, the second thing that I do is I consult um, a lot of people. Maybe it's, you know, Jess, I don't really need your course, but I really want you to come in and train my team on how to do this. So do this with us for one year. And then maybe the next year, because you've trained our team, we'll be able to go out and do it ourselves. Um, so I do that. The third thing that I do is kind of like a done for you service. Um, but the done for you service, that's more so where I'm working with more established nonprofit or for-profit entities. Um, they have constituents or donors that are giving them millions of dollars. So they have it within their budget to have a done for you service like this, because I mm-hmm. do come in with a team of four people that are helping me get those sponsorships for you. So it's not really um, something that I do for individuals that are just starting out. It's more so for those companies that have a little bit more of established brand. And it's great that you have been able to distinguish between who the different groups of clientele should be for you and what their needs are. So I think the rookie mistake is I'm for everybody and I offer this to everybody. 
that doesn't work and you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time pitching the wrong people for the wrong things. Oh yeah, girl. I, 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 you know, I'm the queen of testing things out. And so I think I realized in putting out a Facebook ad and having like over 2,500 people respond to it. Um, I quickly realized that this isn't for everybody. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who honestly don't see the value and having someone train you on how to get corporate sponsorships. But once I show them, like I go through like everything that I do in the course, you realize that, oh, I've been improperly pitching all this time. Um, This is the reason why I'm not getting a response. Like I'm able to point out, like, these are your pain points here. Ain't nobody going to respond to you with this. And these are all mistakes. I'm basically teaching you the mistakes to avoid. It's every single mistake that I've made over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Plus it also helps to be mentored by people who have raised millions of dollars. So that time that I've been taking off has also been me in training, you know, in preparation for what I'm doing now. Mm. I feel like what you're also teaching is applicable in a lot of different ways. Cause sometimes I'll receive pitches from PR people, even for the podcast and not everyone receives a response back because sometimes it's blatantly clear. You haven't listened to the podcast. You haven't done any research whatsoever. So if you're not spending time on me, I'm not spending time on you either. So I think it's important to do your research and everything you would outlined is something that is going to be applicable across a lot of different avenues. Absolutely. And I, you know, I only looked at it from a corporate sponsorship perspective, but then, like I said, I started having influencers reach out to me and they're just like, what you're saying actually works for what we do too. Um, so that's why I feel like it, it's going to eventually happen. I just want to make sure, um, let me just take my time, not try to put too much out there at once. Mm-hmm. Let me just, you know, fully launch what I have with the sponsorship lady is from the corporate sponsorship perspective. And then eventually I'll start launching things that is in the works um, for influencers as well. So um, it's exciting times. I just encourage people. Um, here I go with encouraging. Um, Do I your just, thing. During this time, you know, really make the most of this season. Um, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and start a business. I'm not saying that everybody should go out and start something new. But I think if there's anything that I've gained from this time is really look within. Because if you really and truly look within, I believe that you're going to find something and tap into something that you didn't know you had. And um, I think that's really something that we should appreciate during this time. We have a lot of time to listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't doing that enough. We were not doing that enough. Um, get off Instagram if you can. I know it's an addiction for some people, but really listen, listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Listen to that inner spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, wow. So, so, so many gems dropped. Where can people continue to follow you after they hear this episode? Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram. I spend a lot of time there. Um, it's probably one of my favorite social media platforms. I ha- I'm on TikTok too, but I haven't posted any videos, but at Jessica Chinielu, um, if you want to hear about all of my family stuff, some of the business things that I do and just be encouraged. Um, and if you're really specifically interested in sponsorships, just go to the sponsorship lady at the sponsorship lady. And if you click the link in my bio there, you'll be able to download a free sponsorship proposal template to really help you with getting all of that data that I was, that we were talking about um, and really see how you can position yourself when you introduce yourself to a company. 
Ooh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jessica. You are very welcome. Thank you. I appreciate this time, Sarah. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.